0: This is Law and Gospel on Rumination Tuesday, May the 24th, in the year of our Lord 2020. And we're taking a a hymn today by a man named Columba. And the name of the hymn is, Christ is the World's Redeemer. That is, Christ is the world's redeemer. It was written by a man named Columba, and he lived from 521 to 597. This is the hymn of the day for Easter number seven. Uh, Columba himself, which means dove of the church, was a renowned Irish monastic and missionary, who accomplished much of his life's work on Iona, I-O-N-A, a small island between Ireland and Scotland. Due in large part to his efforts and leadership, the people of northern Scotland were converted to Christianity, and numerous monasteries were founded there. Columba was born around 521, possibly at Garton, and in 551, 30 years later, he was ordained to the priesthood, and he founded several churches in Ireland before departing with 12 companions for mission work in Scotland. Columban influence dominated the churches and monasteries of Scotland, Ireland, and Northumbria over against the Roman tradition for at least another 75 years after his death. So that's the hymn we're going to be kind of taking a look at right now. And Mark Smith is on the air with us as co-host. And Mark, what you're thinking generally of
1: this hymn? Well, I I appreciate it even more hearing the background uh, of the uh, of the Irish writer and particularly the era in which he in which he wrote it you know it it's uh, it's amazing that it's that early of a hymn i'm always amazed to hear how how old these hymns are when they when they come back to us from the uh, the 6th century like this one does uh the the melody is uh is really different Yes. Um, you know, it goes down a lot. You know, the the, the scale of music goes down a lot, and uh, when I would have expected it to go up, particularly when it's talking about the ascension and that sort of thing, it goes down, and uh, th- that makes it that makes it different. It's 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 a catchy melody. It 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 draws you in, and the words, yes. of course, are, are are great too. The
0: uh, first time he did the hymn he really emphasized God as creator and judge. And he was criticized for not talking much about the redemption. So this hymn took care of that criticism, where Christ becomes important. And I want to make the same point you did, is a lot of people think that Reformation teaching began with Martin Luther. But we need to remember that not only Luther, but his compatriots often would quote from the ancient items, like from Augustine, etc., and that what we would consider to be good Christian theology was found centuries before Luther came on the scene and returned the scriptures to
1: their valid place. Oh, yeah, you mentioned Augustine. He he had a great influence on Luther. Luther yes. was an Augustinian monk.
0: Yes, and um, one of his best debates, of course, is the Heidelberg Disputation in 1518. Uh, that's when I believe the Reformation really started, because in 1517, when he wrote the 95 Theses, he still believed in purgatory and things like that. But 1518, wow, tremendous, 25 statements, and just excellent. So without further ado, let's take a look at the hymn. If you would read the first stanza,
1: please. Happy to. Christ is the world's redeemer, the lover of the pure, the font of heavenly wisdom, our trust and hope secure. The armor of his soldiers, the Lord of earth and sky, our health while we are living, our life when we shall die.
0: Yes, he's the world's redeemer. Starts right off. There is no other redeemer. Now,
1: how do you understand the lover of the pure? You know, that is a difficult line, isn't it? Well, we're all, we're all made pure in Christ. Well, and uh, so I, I would I would think that that is what he's talking about, the lover of the pure. But we're only pure in Christ. We're not, you know, we're we're completely tainted by by sin. We're blind, dead, and enemies of God by nature. But uh, in Christ we are pure. We're washed. We're justified.
0: But are we not loved before we're pure?
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. He, he he God so loved the world. He loved yes. even even enemies. So
0: I have a little different interpretation of the lover of the pure, and that's because of my going through Proverbs with Solomon. Okay. It's all about God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is always pure teaching as to how we are to behave, for example, in light of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when I read The Lover of the Pure, I'm thinking that he's loving the pure message from the Father. And because of that love of pureness, which Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life he then is willing to die to make us pure in the eyes of god because he loves the pure in contrast to the sinful
1: yeah you know that's uh that uh, that hadn't even occurred to me that he could be talking about you know he loves pure teaching he, yes. he he may not even be talking specifically here when he's lover of the pure he may be talking about pure teaching uh, pure, his pure wisdom, as opposed to uh, human beings. Yes, you see, if you're an architect, and I
0: was talking to a student a couple of weeks ago from the university I'm helping with, and he is going to be an architect, and I asked him, well, are you going to be able to build a skyscraper? He said, sure, no problem at all. Well, I, I I can't even put up a wall in my basement without it falling down. Oh, I, I mean, know. He has to have such knowledge of how a skyscraper is has a good foundation, great walls. I, I look at these skyscrapers and they look like they're windows all the way up. I just cannot imagine. I know. It how is amazing. Together. So when a person comes to church they have no idea what God's skyscraper thinking is. And that's what church is all about. By teaching law and gospel, scripture interpret scripture, declared righteous by faith through grace, uh, you begin to help them to understand God's way of thinking. So they may not be able to Build a skyscraper, but they can understand now why God is building things the way he does. And that's what the whole book of Romans is. I'm sorry, of Judges. If you take a look at chapter eight of Judges after Solomon's messages to his sons, then Jesus himself speaks personally about who he is and what his purpose was. And that is because he loves the pure and he therefore desires us to be pure in the sight of God. And that was the purpose of the cross. So that's why I came up with that idea since the very first line is Christ is the world's redeemer because he's a lover of the pure understanding, the pure
1: wisdom of God. Tom, you mentioned Judges 8. Did you not? Proverbs 8? Oh, I'm sorry. Very good. I don't know
0: why I keep calling that book Judges. Because, you yeah, know, you know Solomon... Judges
1: is entirely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you knew absolutely And correct. I knew Solomon didn't have anything to do with Judges. <laughs> yeah. The Holy Spirit did, but not Solomon. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So,
0: the reason the lover of the pure is the way I like to think of it. The very li- next line, the font of heavenly wisdom. Yes. See, that's the pure.
1: Yes. And what do we do? T- I like how like he used the. I like how he used that word font. You know that 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 calls us to to mind baptism, of course. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yes.
0: Um, because in baptism, according to the next
1: line, what do we receive? Our trust and hope secure. And you know, another thing about you—you you mentioned the lover of the pure. I've always heard that baptism is pure gospel, pure gospel. It's not law. It's not what we do. It's—it's it's all God's, uh, God's uh, pure love, in in the water and the word.
0: Yes, because when Peter mentions baptism, the people say, what must we do to be saved? He doesn't tell them what they're going to do. He's going to tell them what's going to be done to them. Right. And he says, be baptized, which is in the passive. Yeah, that's say, right. doesn't say, go baptize yourself. That's that right. Is, actually a gift from God and really fits with what you just said and so in baptism we receive faith and we have trust and hope secure
1: do you think people need hope today oh absolutely everybody's worried everybody everybody's worried about the stock market they're working they're worried about their investments uh, they're worried about inflation, how they're going to handle uh, costs of food. Uh, these poor mothers are, are, are afraid that they're not going to be able to find formula for their, for their infants. I mean, uh, oh boy, people need hope. Now, this reminds me
0: when Paul talked about the unknown God uh, in, in, in Athens, because yeah. they had an Island. I'm uh, sorry. They had an idol to the unknown God to cover all the bases that their other gods weren't covering. Right. And uh, I really think people misunderstand that. Paul wasn't using reason to help them to understand the gospel. Why they loved an unknown God is it gave them hope. But it was a false hope. Yes. So when we preach in our day, You just mentioned the unknown gods that we have. We don't have an unknown god planted down in central St. Louis. But when you go down there, you can see people They like to have expensive meals. They like to have really good-looking cars, wonderful houses. And that's where their hope is for many people. That's their unknown god. Right. And so that's how we preach to today's people taking a look at that which comforts them that is a false comfort.
1: It certainly is. So, you know, you put your put your faith in money you, and you're finding out today how how fleeting that is. I mean, it's uh it's a it's a god that just withers away in value. So how
0: do you understand the armor of his soldiers?
1: Let's see. Christ is the world's redeemer. The armor of his soldiers. Yeah. Well, I I, I look at that suit of armor, uh, the the helmet of salvation, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. Uh, what am I forgetting here? The feet shod with the gospel of peace. Um And the the word of of God, which is the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. So he's the armor. It's all about Christ. For that matter, the whole the whole scriptures is about Christ. And so uh, he is indeed the armor of his soldiers. We wrestle not with we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Exactly.
0: Okay. so what do you do with the last line when people have the virus or says our health while we are living? Our life when we shall die. If we're not healthy right now, how do we know that we are going to have life when we shall die? What does that mean, well, our health?
1: Our health, what we are living. He He is our health. I mean, He all health comes from him. It really does. It ultimately comes from God. That's, that's, our, that's sick, our source of health. What?
0: But if you're, if you're sick, sick,
1: then you don't have health he's he's still no with him with him, we live forever, we have eternal life,
0: yeah, I understand that, but we don't have health right now, do we, or do we
1: well, See, if we I, do have good health, if we do have good health, it certainly comes from him, yeah, but for example,
0: I just came from the hospital, I didn't have good health, mhm, I believe if you go to the scriptures the word health is not just talking about physical health. It's talking about a spiritual relationship with God. Uh-huh, In fact, uh-huh. the word health is often used as uh-huh. salvation. And yeah, so yeah. I am saved regardless of my illness, regardless of my physical health, because while I am living... I'm always in a right relationship with God the Father.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, one of the Beatitudes is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I think I've got that right. Blessed are the That's poor correct. in spirit. And the poor in spirit would be like the publican in the temple, when he says, God, be, be merciful to me. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. That person is poor in spirit, and yet he's rich in, he's rich in Christ. Oh, that's he, well said, because, yes. Because he leans, it's at that time, when you're poor in spirit, like that publican that went to the temple, it's at that time that you really lean on your only Savior. Excellent point. Uh, read stanza two, please. Christ has our host surrounded with clouds of martyrs bright, who wave their palms in triumph and, and fire us for the fight. Then Christ the cross ascended to save a world undone, and suffering for the sinful, our full redemption won. Okay, what is this Christ has our host surrounded? What, what's host? Well, I think, that's, I think that's from a passage from Hebrews where we are surrounded by such, a cloud of, by such a great cloud of witnesses. I'm sure that's what he's thinking about when he wrote that.
0: Yes, I think that's an excellent point. Um, so Christ has our host, which would be the Holy Christian church surrounded with clouds of martyrs bright. Now this next part is interesting. Who wave their palms in triumph and fire us for the fight. How do you understand that?
1: Well, all you have to do is go to a a a, a hockey game. <laughs> you know. And I'll tell you when the crowds in the game, when they've got the crowd, when the team's got the crowd behind them, it makes a world of difference and they and the team players say that. If the crowds in the game with them, they're cheering them on. And that's that's really what that passage I talked about. I think it's in Hebrews where we're so surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, and it talks about them, you know, cheering them on in in their race or in their contest, whatever it may be. Well, palm branches, you know, that that's the idea of uh, when they gathered palm branches on Palm Sunday. They were welcoming Christ as uh, as Messiah. Um, the palm branches, the uh, palm branches. Uh, in 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 the Bible, it it's, it's, greeting. It's, uh, it's a victory, it's a sign of victory, and, and cheering on.
0: So, fire us for the fight yep. means that they motivate us to fight against the devil and receive that beatitude: "Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake." Okay, Uh, I'll read three. Down through the realm of darkness, he strode in victory. And at the hour appointed, he rose triumphantly. And now to heaven ascended, he sits upon the throne, whence he had never departed his father and his own. Now, that is a lesson you taught me, uh, or made it more clear to me, that even though he was in the womb of Mary, even though he was on the cross, he still hadn't departed from the throne. Can you explain that?
1: Yes. He never ceased to be God. Even when he was an infant, uh conceived in his in his mother 's womb even as an infant in the womb, he never ceased to be god he uh, of course he 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 entered his state of humiliation and he didn't use his divine power uh except on occasions like we call miracles but um he never ceased to be god yes even And the point we want to make
0: here in verse 3, it talks begins with the crucifixion, then leads to the resurrection, then leads to the ascension. So this hymn would be appropriate for this Sunday, Thursday after the ascension, where he sits upon the throne and he had never departed from his father and his own. That's right.
1: And I like okay. how it talks about. I like how it talks about um, his descent. Yes, he strode in victory. He went there. He went there to show Satan and his cronies, "You guys are washed up. You're finished." And uh, the original hymn kind of had his descent to it hell talks about as descent.
0: part of his humiliation. And this new hymn talks about it properly as the exaltation.
1: Yes. Okay, read stanza 4 please. Stanza 4. Glory to God the Father, the unbegotten one. All glory to, all glory be to Jesus, his sole begotten son. And to the Holy Spirit, the perfect trinity. Let all the worlds give answer. Amen. So let it be. What I find interesting
0: is God the Father is regarded as Unbegotten, yes. whereas God the Son is regarded as begotten. Why, why yes. does it say that?
1: The only begotten is from the Father and the Spirit. The Father and the Son is begotten eternally. Okay,
0: Mark, your phone for some reason is going out. Uh, we can't quite hear you, but we're at the end of the hour anyway. So, thanks so very much for helping out. Some great insight. Christ is the world's Redeemer. And that is the hymn for this coming Sunday. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we might skip doing the Bible study because this is also the week of Ascension and maybe talking about that. Thanks so much for listening, Tom Baker, Mark Smith.